welcome to Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. The only professional wrestling podcast in the world where pro wrestling is discussed passionately, with confidence, with great knowledge, and most of all, in the most sophisticated way. So brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, because chaos is about to be unleashed. Welcome to Ringside Chaos. I am your host, Ricky, a.k.a. the Master of Mayhem Winkowich, filling in for the Bear Man, Mr. Alex Alcazaz. On this show, we will be covering the Survivor Series preview with War Games. We'll be covering the fall and demise of the Dark Order. But first, we're going to tune in to the AEW event that happened on this week's past Dynamite on November 23rd, where Tony Khan officially removes the interim championship slogan and makes Jamie Hayter the full-time AEW Women's Championship. This, for me, in my opinion, should have never happened to begin with. Interim. Interim is a term that's saying that you have a temporary champion. For those that don't know the vocabulary about it. Within my knowledge of AEW in the last few years, they've had four interim champions. Twice for the TNT Championship. Once for the World Championship. And now for the Women's World Championship. Interim tags or phrases or slogans of a temporary champion should only be left in UFC. Not in AEW, not in WWE, not in MLW or New Japan Pro Wrestling, or any other organization known to man. Back in the day, WWE, or WWF, if you really want to go back that far, had always had in that hidden rule book that nobody ever got to see the actual legitimacy of the rules for wrestling. If a champion was not able to defend his title within 30 days, meaning the champion had to defend their title once a month in order to keep a lengthy longevity run for being a champion. In AEW, apparently that is not in their rulebook. That hidden rulebook that everyone talks about of certain different rules and, you know, like the unwritten rules of wrestling. In AEW, apparently, that's not something they want to do. They want to be able to keep a champion on TV. They gave the interim tag. Now, Tony Khan officially naming Jamie Hayter the real, full-time AEW World's Women Champion was actually a positive to the episode of Dynamite on the 23rd. In response, however, of Tony Khan removing the interim tag from Jamie Hayter and making her the full-time champion, Thunder Rosa went to Twitter and says, Thank you, Thunder Army, for all of the support and AEW for being there for me. Dreamlike moments happened in this run, and this is not how I wanted to lose the championship, but you deserve a present champion on to the next chapter. Now, I am hoping and praying that Tony Khan 
and and the EVPs and all the big heads at AEW do not decide to do this interim champion term again. To me, I don't think it's fair that you have a temporary champion running around, especially if you have incidences like I believe it was 2017, Finn Balor beats Seth Rollins for a title and the next night on Raw then had to surrender it, which meant he was going to be out longer than the 30 days required to do a defense. This is the way that standard should be kept, and hopefully in the oncoming time of AEW, they do not again use the interim tag. It's not called for. Next up on this show, we have the demise of the Dark Order. Now, for those that got to see the early edition of AEW Rampage, you got to see the turn, the huge heel turn from 10, a.k.a. Preston Vance. Him joining, first off, that faction, Los Ingonales, is a well-known faction, believe it or not, just going all the way back to Mexico and in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Preston Vance, a.k.a. 10, turns on Evil Uno, Alex Reynolds, and John Silver. This is probably the final death nail to the Dark Order. And over the course of time, now I, I granitely will tell you this, the loss of Brody Lee was the first nail in the coffin for the demise of the Dark Order. Dark Order being originally the heel faction back in 2019 when Evil Uno and Stu Grayson appeared. Always talking about the Exalted One. Then you had all of those little creepers that were running around with Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. Then they added in members. They added in John Silver and Alex Reynolds. They added in Alan Angels. They added in Colt Cabana. They had Hangman Adam Page running around with them for a while. They had Anna Jay running around for them for a little while. And then as time went on, and here comes now the free agency and releases of certain wrestlers, which I believe the first one was Stu Grayson. You had the absence of Colt Cabana. Then you have Alan Angels then being out of contract and done. You've not seen the Creepers in almost two years, three years, tops. The demise of the Dark Order has just been, again, it's been very progressive. And I cannot really turn around and say that you're going to see very much of the Dark Order very, very soon. Dark Order went from one, two, three, four, five, six, seven members down to now three. The progressive demise. I understand that some things do come to an end. And at a long juncture and point in time of the Dark Order, I will say this. They were probably one of the most watchable factions in AEW. But now as they start to dwindle down the storyline, 
it's getting to be that it's a very, very bad case in history right now for a dissipating and depleted dark order. In my opinion on this, I don't know if it's something that can be regenerated. I don't think it's something that can be built up anymore or maybe it's an idea that really should just be completely broken up and put away. Have these three go in separate directions or maybe keep more more than maybe keep John Silver and Alex Reynolds together but not as dark order anymore and maybe just maybe try and see if you can get a Stu Grayson back so you can fulfill it. Obviously with the the not on TV viewing of Colt Cabana now that he's now kind of more back with Ring of Honor and not with AEW it, it just all the wheels fell off and I don't see any bright sides of Dark Order anymore. When the official shoe drops for Dark Order also will be a massively large question. And it's only going to go through the course of time now that now Preston Vance is with Los Ingonables. Finally, we're going to talk about the meat and potatoes of this weekend. Live Saturday, November 26th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 Pacific, we get Survivor Series War Games. A pay-per-view that they're actually doing an actual five-on-five with both members of SmackDown and Raw working together within War Games. And officially now that SmackDown is officially finished for the 25th, we actually have now all of the information and all of the match setups going into this premium event. Not pay-per-view, premium event. Starting off our card in no particular order, this is how SmackDown opened on the 25th. Bianca Belair officially announces the fifth member of Team Bianca going against Damage Control in one of the two War Games matches. Damage Control does have the advantage after the results from Monday Night Raw, where Rhea Ripley beat Asuka to gain control or the advantage at War Games Survivor Series. So on one side, we have on Damage Control, we have Nikki Cross, we have Rhea Ripley, we have Bailey, Io Sky, and Dakota Kai. And Bianca Belair has on her team, herself, Alexa Bliss, Asuka, Mia Yim, now known as, uh, I believe it is Minchi and Minchin, and now the returning Becky Lynch. Here's where I believe that this probably was a good idea, but it also, it was a bad idea. Survivor Series War Games is taking place in Boston. Hmm. You know, there's a superstar that lives in Boston, and her name would be Sasha Banks. Now, is Becky Lynch more of a pop than Sasha Banks? I don't know. But in this point, they have five solid women that have a beef with damage control. And obviously, Mia Yim, now known as Min Chin, um, has a problem with Rhea Ripley. So we have this thing going on. Do I see where the balances go? There are a lot of different storylines running around. But I do believe at some point in the end, 
I don't believe it will be a Bianca Belair-led win. I will believe that it's going to be a damage control win. So many storylines going in that Alexa Bliss may turn to go with Bray Wyatt during this match. There may be some other outside interference from returning superstars that are coming through. There's a lot of different storylines happening with this particular War Games matchup. Next up on the card, we have Ronda Rousey defending her SmackDown Women's Championship against Shotzi. Now, after the SmackDown events that happened tonight, Shotzi goes into a match with a pretty damaged Raquel Gonzalez, and they ended up losing with uh, Gonzalez getting hurt and injured even more than it was before the pre-match attack. I see this pretty much as going to be a time filler match. I, I'm going on the record right now by saying that Ronda Rousey has other challengers, even returning ones, even such as a Charlotte Flair, where they can set up for the Royal Rumble, or in returning Sasha Banks. Or there's other, there's other challengers out there that I believe that Ronda Rousey is going to end up having. So this is pretty much a time filler throughout the entire Survivor Series War Games premium event. Next up, we have AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, going against Finn Balor. The battle of some of the original Bullet Club leaders from New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I think this match has waited the course of time for the right spot. Now, obviously... It is a battle between the OC, and it is a battle between Judgment Day. However, I see this having the minor twist. We've not seen Edge since SummerSlam. We have not seen Beth Phoenix since SummerSlam. Have both of them had enough time off? That is a question that I will bring to all of you. In an all-out world... I think now that Judgment Day is now fully pulling up some steam, it may be the time that you may see an, a, an OC loss. Again, with all of the rumors going around in the rumor mill that Triple H, Paul Levesque, is now taking Finn Balor under his wing. Finn Balor doesn't have as many matches as he used to. He's a little bit more of a different schedule. He's a little bit more open years now. So to actually keep Judgment Day level and to keep the push going, I believe Finn Balor comes out of this match, whether it's from outside interference, a returning superstar that causes AJ the match, or we may actually see the flip if Edge and Beth Phoenix come back to cause some havoc, that will throw an OC distraction in there and Balor will win. On the card next, we got coming up the triple threat match for the United States title. It's Seth freaking Rollins defending against Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory. This one here should be kind of a classic. And it's going to be one of those prototypical matches where you're going to see one guy totally get the snot beaten out of him. That actually may be Austin Theory. This has a lot of different directions it can go in. However, this is the only major title really running around on Raw every Monday night. Seth Rollins is that really creepy, but yet upfront now face, I believe. 
is the way that they're kind of pushing him. Austin Theory is a heel in this. You also now have Bobby Lashley, who's apparently got a thorn stuck in his rear end because he lost to Brock Lesnar at the last uh, pay-per-view or premium event, I should say. So you're going to see these two kind of go at it. But in really, really great form and fashion, I fully believe Seth Rollins just takes advantage of a really, really bad situation and ends up getting the win. We also have on this card the Brawling Brutes, Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens facing the bloodline in what is going to be a really, really great storyline. After results on SmackDown, Kevin Owens getting in Sami Zayn's head with Jay Uso overhearing the entire thing. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I believe in this whole setup of matches that is, that's going on here, you're going to end up seeing Sami Zayn get tossed. And here's why. It's at some point in time, some of these title reigns have to end. And what better way to do it to have Sami Zayn take the fall in the War Games match with Kevin Owens actually telling the truth. Hey, Sami, what are you going to do at this point when the bloodline turns on you? And guaranteeingly enough, I have this feeling. Now, with the Brawling Brutes, McIntyre, and Owens having the advantage in this match, how much of a better way could it be that Sami Zayn takes the fall in the match after making his proclamation guaranteeing a win by the bloodline at Survivor Series War Games. That would not be crazy, now, wouldn't it? The guy makes a proclamation, a guarantee, and he's the one that takes the loss. He has been the mouthpiece for the bloodline for quite a decent amount of time now, and maybe you actually just put Paul Heyman back in that mouthpiece spot once again. Heyman has not said anything since Sami Zayn has taken over that role into making the bloodline a more interesting and yet out there faction. Even with all of the little bit of the discrepancies that are going on within the bloodline. Jay Uso not liking Sammy at all. The seeds have already been planted for the last few months that Jimmy is the hot Jay's the hothead. And they're gonna push that hothead spot. And this could be the breaking point. Sammy loses, and the bloodline officially gets to give Sami Zayn the black eye, only to be saved by Kevin Owens. Are you serious? Owens is one of the ones that feels he is the true one to end Roman Reigns' over-two-year title run. And possibly, let's look at it this way. Maybe we see Sammy and KO team up to not only knock Roman off his throne, but beat Jimmy and Jay Uso to end their tag team title runs. This pay-per-view is going to be filled with so many different stories, different rumors. The rumor mills have been going crazy for weeks now, especially with this lovely Sami Zayn picture, the character of the way it's running, and the way that KO has been getting in Sami's head now again for weeks.
overall, I really think this will be a good premium live event if it is done properly. How does the new regime of Triple H running the show matter? I guess we will see during Survivor Series War Games tomorrow. Now, as for the pre-show, these are the only matches that were listed. So God knows what we're going to actually see on the pre-show that leads up to the main part of the card. Again, that's all probably going to be determined. You'll probably have maybe a Baron Corbin versus Tozawa match just to throw in a little bit of comedy to go in in the beginning of the show, try to loosen it up a little bit. But I'd also like to see what kind of returns they got. If you actually maybe see a Sasha Banks come back, maybe you see a Charlotte Flair come back, maybe an actual Edge and Beth Phoenix return, just as a little bit of a spoiler to go with the whole event. That would be very, very interesting. I will definitely be glued to the TV tomorrow night to watch Survivor Series War Games. Again, the War Games part is a lot more different than it was than the original five-on-five traditional matches, or better yet, the Raw versus SmackDown matches, which I really didn't think brand supremacy matters because one show gets more ratings than the other, even though they're not really high ratings, but Raw does get better ratings than SmackDown does, even going against Monday Night Football on ESPN. So this here is probably a better spiced-up version of Survivor Series. And if it does work out well tomorrow night, maybe it'll be a staple that Triple H kind of does to keep the flow of the actual fourth major pay-per-view for the company going. This is the Master of Mayhem, Ricky Lewinkowicz, and this is Ringside Chaos. Tune again for another episode of Ringside Chaos with Alex the Bear Man Alcazaz. I'm out of here.